I don't know what it is about the pandemic. Everybody is riding bicycle now. So <laughs> yeah, I know. I saw your bicycle there. So yeah. a couple of guys were riding bike and they they invited me to come. I'm like, bro, man, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not about that life <laughs> yet. <laughs> yet. Hi, welcome to Life on Purpose, the podcast where we talk about living your full existence on purpose through six buckets of faith, fitness, family, focus, finance, and friends. I'm your host, Lana Bimero. Let's jump right into it. In this episode, I talked to Victor Lofenmaki, who is a real estate broker, uh, owns several companies in Texas, not only real estate brokerage, but also uh, financing for mortgage companies, property management. Um, Victor is well known um, for being uh, one of the successful realtors, 40 under 40 in um, Houston, Texas. And we talk about money, money in general, and and using real estate as the vehicle as one of the means to uh, securing finances. So if you look at all the six buckets I always talk about, this falls under the finance bucket. And he gives this amazing description of how real estate could generate income for you and there are five or so reasons that you could or five or so benefits that could come out of real estate so you could check him out victorlofamaki.com um, uh, look up his name on google he's also an author and we talk about his book as well all right victor lofamaki thank you so much for jumping on uh, i really appreciate you my brother uh you know there are a few people that i reach out to when it comes to money talk and uh, you're certainly one of those. Uh, you've been consistent uh, for for some time, and uh, you you know you stayed through to it. So, but let let me not uh, do the introduction myself. I'm gonna go ahead and give you just two three minutes. Tell us a little bit about yourself, sir. Thank you, thank you for having me, Lana. Really appreciate it. We go way back, way way back. Yep. And honestly, it's amazes me these days when I do my introduction because. It just shows the power of consistent uh, pushing and striving and, and, and hard work and nonstop. Mm-hmm. So, so it's kind of embarrassing sometimes, but you know, I, I'll do I'll do it. Uh-huh. Um, so obviously, I'm a military officer. I'm a U.S. Navy officer. I've been in the Navy for about 18 years now, and that's my first love. I'm in the reserve reserves now, mm-hmm. and uh, on the civilian side, I'm a uh, president and and broker for a company called Fairdale Realty. So we broker residential and commercial real estate. The president and broker for Gazette Mortgage. So it's also a mortgage brokerage company Mm -hmm. uh, and also Academy Property Management, same thing, uh, president of the company. So we manage residential and commercial properties. Uh, And then uh, a company called Easy Continue Education we offer continuing education to realtors. They're meant to have uh, continuing education uh, so often. And then a few other, uh, I have a company called Freedom Capital Group and we just keep you know, building more companies, but those are the essential uh, operational companies that we have right now. Wow, you know, thank you, bro. You know, one of the things that um, my, my listeners uh, know is I strongly believe in consistency um, around one thing. And, and the way I've kind of learned to build my life is around, um, you know, six F's and it's faith, fitness, family, 
finance, focus, and friends. And that focus is really the one thing. Um, and there's a great book by Gary Keller um, and Jay Papasan that talks about the one thing. And what I hear you say is, you know, your one thing is obviously real estate. You're, you're a real estate guy. Now you, you've broken off into different parts of it, mortgage, uh, real estate management, property management, sales and listing and all that. And even now continuing education. So big ups, big ups, brother, big ups, brother. So the military side, you know, just, just a little bit of background. I know you got in the military, like right about college, give or take. How did you make that transition now that you're in the reserves? But how did you make that transition before we get more into talking about money? But how did you make that transition from military, full-time, part-time, to real estate where did, how did you connect to real estate so honestly it's just serendipitous uh i did not plan that at all uh, i was just about leaving active duty going into the reserves and i was looking for jobs right as a matter of fact i was talking to my good friends now he also is an investor now who we're interviewing together back in san diego and um i got a few job offers and it just dawned on me that i've always wanted to be entrepreneurial I've always wanted to at least strike it on my own. If I never tried, I will always regret it. So I figured that was a good opportunity to just try something else. And I was drinking water uh, by the water fountain. And some guy told me, hey, you know, I used to flip real estate in Atlanta. And I made a lot of money. I'm like, flip real estate? What are you talking about? I'm like, well, let me go see if I can get my license. So while I was preparing to leave active duty, I was, you know, preparing myself for the civilian world. So I got my real estate license. I got some certification from Stanford University, just whatever it took. And I remember when I got a call, say, hey, you've been hired for this job. I think it was Shell or something. I don't know. And I'm like, uh, sorry, guys, I'm going to turn that job down. Uh, I want to take four months to explore and see yeah. if I can make it on my own. And if I can't make it on my own, there will always be jobs there. Jobs yeah. will be I might not make what I wanted to make or whatever, yeah. but, you know, so I took my goals for four months to just try it on my own. And I opened several different entities. I opened up. I started doing real estate. I was doing, I had a hospice. My wife was in, uh, was the uh, medical director. I was doing uh, taxes. I was doing life and health insurance. I was doing, I was doing remote, home remodeling, six things at the same time. But as time went on, I could talk about focus. I'd just keep killing them and mm -hmm. narrow it down to real estate, which I really, you know, from, from my first transaction was like a natural. I just, yeah. just kind of fell in my lap and that's it. So something you just touched on, and this kind of goes into what we're going to talk about today, money talk, right? You're, you said you decided to take four months um, to, this, to kind of just pursue that entrepreneurial journey. You know, not too many people in America today can say, I'm going to take four months away from work and I'm going to try to pursue this entrepreneurial journey. So you obviously had to have been disciplined with finances. Talk a little bit about the importance of maybe, I don't know if saving is the way to call it, but how are you able to financially go four months with, you know, knowing that you're going to go four months with possibly not an income? How, how, well, just touch on that. That's true. That's a very good question. And the, the answer is that it's, it's, it wasn't an easy decision. You know, quite frankly, the act is easier once you're in it than to actually take, take, take the leap, right? Once you mm. take a leap, once you're in the air, you you know figure out a way to land softly, mm. you know. So, uh, but what what helped me was um, I had some savings, not a lot, 
but I also had a small severance. So as I was living in the military, well, not severance, but I was living in the military, I had a bunch of leave saved up. So I can sell your leave for some money. Right. Uh, so I'm going to give you- how much, how much did they give you guys? Is it 90% or something? No, I'm, 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 gonna, I'm happy to do that because I really want your audience to, to know exactly. I'm happy, so I'm happy to give you the numbers. So I, if, if my recollection serves me right, I had about $13,000 that they gave me from the military. Hmm. And, and so when I was coming out, I wanted to go, I wanted to go uh, uh, four months. And I've always been disciplined with money generally. So I got I applied for a bunch of credit cards. Okay. And I applied for, I remember I got about $108,000 worth of credit limits. Wow. I never really used all of them. But so my plan was I would try to live off of as, as lean as possible mm-hmm. and live off of the credit cards. And I know that if it's, it's only four months, if I can keep that really, the expenses really low, even if I go back to get a job, I can always pay the minimum payments for the credit cards up to in the future where I can knock it off. Yeah. So it's more of a, I kind of did the risk, kind of reduce the risk, you know, and so over the four months, I'm just kind of slowly using the credit cards if I have to, knowing that I can always pay the minimum payment. And if it doesn't work out, I can get a job and pay it off. So that, that kind of goes into chapter 10 of your book. Um, and, and actually, you've written two books. You didn't even share that to why you are giving introduction. <laughs> I all know, this, I forgot all, about all the, the All the stuff. things you are doing, you're yeah, author, yeah. speaker, <laughs> all things, you're your coach, you're everything. And, and in, in your book, Success Made Simple, that was, I think that was your first book. Um, and you have a new one now um, from last year. Um, remind me, what's the name of the new book? Finding Happiness is Your Purpose. Finding Happiness is Your Purpose. So y'all check them out on Amazon. Um, you know, but in Success Made Simple, chapter 10, um, the title of that chapter, is what is the purpose of money? What is the purpose of money? And as I'm hearing you talk about you know, the strategies and how you were like, okay, this is my exit strategy, or this is my next stage strategy into the next phase of my life. It's like you, you almost made money a tool um, and not necessarily an end goal. Um, can you just give an overview on, on really like, you know, what is the purpose of money? That's, that's very true, right? So uh, as, you know, as I started studying and spending more time in business and money was more of a forefront of what I do every day, uh, unlike when I was in the military, it was more of just pure service, right? I started to do active service to make money. But, you know, the bottom line, the profit also was there. And it dawned on me that, you know, most people don't understand the purpose of money. Mm. And if you don't really come and grab to get a grasp of it, you will forever keep chasing the mirage. It's a mirage that's never enough. And, and, you know, we spend all this time and all this effort away from our family, away from, you know, what our real goals in life is really, or, or, or your personal uh, desire, what you want to be, your, your who, your, you know, your why mm-hmm. to pursue money. And it, so, so you don't really, the money is good for two things, to give you security and happiness. And once we forget that, we lose sight of what money is really good for. And we just keep chasing this mirage of money, which is never enough. When you chase this mirage, it also leads you to start doing unethical things and those kind of things, right? So once I kept that in mind, okay, at a certain point in time, you have enough money to provide a security for your life. And then now say, okay, well, what do I need to be happy, right? I see people that buy bigger house, the biggest houses. It doesn't always make them happy. You know, quite frankly, you've heard of the, the phrase saying it's lonely at the top. Right. Yep. You know, people that, you know, when you're super wealthy, you know, 
if you if you don't have a good grasp of the purpose of money, mm-hmm. you know, it's gonna it's it's not gonna serve you well. Mm-hmm. So that's really important to me. You know, quite frankly, nowadays I'm, I spend more time thinking about that, right? Uh, as you know, we've done very well in business over the past few years. I have a group we call ourselves the Junto Club, um, where we talk about just life and civics and stuff like that. And then we had a meeting this last Friday. One of the questions we asked ourselves is, what is enough? Hmm. When is enough enough money, right? Um, hmm. So what's the we, answer to that? Well, it depends, right? So a lot of people look at it from, from a monetary perspective. It's funny because uh, I started writing my, my next book actually today. So I'm glad you called me today. And it's called, nice. Would You Ever Be Rich? Hmm. And it talks about the money. What's the number that makes you rich, right? So let's just say, for example, uh, Lana's number is, you know, you want to have access to 200 grand every year to spend. Mm-hmm. I'm up to that and uh, and have it growing regularly. You mm-hmm. know? So we can, for easy math, we can just do a rule of, a rule of 25. So multiply by 25, that gives you, uh, uh, what's that, five, five million? million five million. Exactly. So your number in that case could be five million. So once you get Why to- 25? Okay, good. So I uh, made it, so 25 essentially is law of four. I don't know if you've ever heard law of four. Right, right. So just kind of, yeah, just, so just, just help inverse. people with that, yeah. yeah just an yeah. inverse of it, right? So right. In, the, in financial world, they say that if you spend 4% of your investable assets every year, you should never run out of money, right? Mm-hmm. So the, 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 the idea is conservatively, your investments should generate 7% annually. Conservatively, right. yeah. Right? Following so, general stock market, exactly right. So yeah. if you have three percent of that to cover for inflation, if that and for and for growth, and you spend four percent of that, you know anything above that, you just never, you just keep it. One can can just grow in perpetuity, perpetuity essentially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in that situation, so your number will be turned up would be five million in that case, right? Mm-hmm. Now that's from a numerical perspective, right? So the other parts of it where it's not just pure numerical, right? So it's more, you know, more philosophical, right? So, you know, because, you know, there's some things that in life that you really want to pursue. I'm going to make you, I'm going to put you, I'm going to put you, make you vulnerable now, you know, right. for me as well. The things in life that you want to pursue that has nothing to do with what you do to earn money today. Right. I think for me, one of the things that I want to pursue that has nothing to do with what I earn is um, creating content that changes life. You know, uh, that's that's it. Just creating content that changes life from books to what we're doing now, podcasts right. to, to, you know, anything that would change life uh, independent Correct. of money is, is one thing for me. Correct. And so that, that's the aspect that, that, that the, the what's enough is enough, right? So let's just say five million is a number, mm-hmm. you know, for, for argument cases, case. but then it comes to a point where you see that it's clear you're going to get that, right? Mm-hmm. But now you are 10 million, you are 12 million, you are 15 million. You're way past the number where security is no longer a concern for you anymore financially. But then, you know, as business people, that fight, that hunger, that grind is still there. Yeah. And, you know, when do you call it enough to okay, well, fine, let's not, let me not spend all my time doing this earned income. This is my time doing other other services, other work that I think is valuable. Maybe it still brings me income or not. Probably will probably give more income actually. But you know, when do you shift that focus to doing uh, what you really want to do? What what your why should be? 
That's awesome. So, and that was you addressing the question of, you know, what, when is enough enough? And I, I want to reiterate a few things you said so that people don't lose sight of it. You talked about um, the rule of four, which is 4% of, of your maximum number is, is what you spend. So in essence, if you have a net pot of uh, 100,000, 4% of that is 4,000 is what you can spend in perpetuity every year so you don't and so that math you were running off was just so that people understand at that two hundred thousand, you said two hundred thousand times 25 because 100 divided by 25 is in four so two hundred thousand times 25 is five million so if i had to five million and i spent only four percent which is two hundred thousand every year then there's no reason for me to ever need money more because it will grow at the rate of seven percent and i will still have a little bit of change in that so that was really good. That was really good. I appreciate that. So the other, other thing you did was you touched on security and happiness. And, you know, and, and um, your second book, you know, revolves around that in general. But just, just a couple of things that you had in chapter two that I thought is important to highlight. Um, the money you have gives you freedom. The money you pursue enslaves you. The money you have gives you freedom. The money you pursue enslaves you. Talk about how money could actually enslave people. How, how, how could that really be a, a slave driver? Absolutely. So, you know, the thing is that it's very rare uh, does someone uh, find what they love to do or mm -hmm. their why early in life. Right. It is very, very rare. So most people don't find that, especially early in life. You know, so... You know, and the, that part's also talking about frugality a lot, right? So, because the money you already have right. can buy you freedom. But every day you go out there to pursue money, to chase money, you're essentially working. You're essentially enslaving yourself for money. You know, you're, you're cutting, you're, you know, you're, you know, you're waking up in the morning, your alarm clock's doing a nice thing from your, from your family, mm -hmm. whatever it takes, you know, to make that money, right? So now... I still believe in work, you know, by believing, you know, it shouldn't be solely to pursue money. Mm -hmm. All right. Awesome. Yeah. 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 Appreciate that. All right. So a couple general themes that people typically know in the American world, uh, and we do have audience um, and some in Nigeria in general, but and parts of Africa, but in the American world, Dave Ramsey is a brand name that people know. Um, and Dave Ramsey's school of thought is, you know, baby steps. I don't know if it's five or six, but his approach is more frugality. He says, don't do credit card. You know, his approach is he builds off frugality and, 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 and puts investment as a, at a later state. What do you think of that? What do you think of the approach of save, 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 and then you can invest later? Or should it be a balance between saving and investing? What's your take? Well, that's a tough one, right? So, uh, what did you do? How about that? What did you do? Maybe that I, will help I, us. I am a very, very big fan of Dave Ramsey. Okay. Huge fan of Dave Ramsey. Huge. Mm -hmm. And I did most of his plan. I did Dave Ramsey light, right? So, 90, you know, I'm not, yeah, I did, I did most of his plan, but that's probably right. Mm -hmm. And I like his message a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, I subscribe to the message. I think, you know, so, you know, there's two ways to look at that, right? So 
if you invest first mm -hmm. before you pay in debt, it's like you're you're risking, you're risking. So you invest first to pay debt, but you the money you have, you're investing it so you can pay the debt. Right. So you're risking the money so you can pay the debt. If you just pay the debt, you don't have to risk the money. Mm. Does that make sense? Yes. yes. Right. Yeah. So if you have the money to pay the debt, but you want to go invest it first to risk it. Right. You miss the whole risk part. Nah. Right. That's the circle so right there. Risk. Our mind cannot cannot process risk. Yeah. Because risk is things you don't know. Yeah. Mm. Our mind can process reward because reward can be calculated, right? Mm. So when, when I say, hey, uh, I tell my clients all the time, when I say, hey, Lana, this investment is high risk, high reward. Yeah. And I'm, I'm trying to emphasize them to them. I know you heard me, <laughs> but all you heard is reward. Reward. <laughs> your, your brain cannot process the risk because you don't know if it's unknown. Yeah. Right. So, so but you can, but you can, but you can process the reward. That's you can calculate that. So yeah. that's a big part of what he says. Yeah. Another part of what he said that I really, really like is behavioral. So he says, personal finance is more behavior than numbers, and you gotta conquer that behavior, that habit. You know, mm. you know, you always hear people all the time say, "Hey, stock market buy low, sell high." Right. No one does that. Even pros don't do that. Mm. Why? Because they can't. You can't beat that behavioral, right? So if you if you invested. 200k in the market today, Lana, mm -hmm. and it goes to 40k. What do you do? Um, it's, it's and it's going up, it's going up, it's going up. You let it keep yeah. going up. Yeah, right. But right. then you wake up the next day and it's back to 200. What do you do? Oof, I don't pull it. 180. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> well, the question is 140. Well, here's the question. 120. Well, that's my well, question. That, the, que the, the question. That's my question. One well, The question okay. is. Okay. Was that two hundred thousand money that I'd already put in the investment portfolio? In in sense that, was I willing to risk all two hundred? That is the question. So, you for example, me. you know, like okay, you know, when I used to go to casino, when I used to go to casino and I take hundred dollars in there, I no. know that like that hundred dollars, two hundred, blow it or make it nothing. No, no. Yeah, let's just say two hundred grand is a substantial part of your network. Yeah, I'll I'll pull it. I'll certainly pull it. I'll probably so pull it at one eighty. Exactly. Yeah, you see that? I'll probably pull it at 180. You see yeah. that? Now you're yeah. selling low because the behavior part. Right. And I actually did this. Nice. I actually, I actually did this uh, experiment mm -hmm. with several of my friends. I really did. Nice. And and we're like, hey, listen. I said, hey, uh, so I'm going to ask you, my friend, Lana, pay off your mortgage. Like, hell no. Uh -huh. My mortgage is 2.5%. I can invest stock market and make seven percent i'm like yeah yep. but you know what you know what i'm saying but you know the behavior you actually talk about that in chapter 10 that was really but good you, but you really won't invest all that money like now i can bring so we, so we had a bet okay well like five years from now we're gonna sit down together and we're gonna analyze it mm. and no kidding we got together five years from years, five years later mm -hmm. the ones that had a gold bit of their mortgage and focus on it paid mm. it off and saved a bunch of more money mm. the ones that chose to invest first did not pay off their mortgage, did not really invest that much. They actually went into more debt. Hmm. You know, so because it's always leakage when you when you plan. So it's really hard, you know, the same way, you know, uh, I say Warren Buffett says invest in index funds, not individual stocks. Hmm. We know it makes sense. You can see all the evidence, but it's really hard for us to do that because you know, right. we really want to invest first. 
So Dave Ramsey said it's not about the numbers. If you look at the numbers, it outweighs the stuff. But personal finance is more behavior than numbers. I'm just my heart. It's more behavior than numbers. Nice. And nice. I really, I, I've tested that model and it really works. Wow. Wow. That was awesome. So personal finance is more behavior than numbers. The, the, and, and that's answering the question around saving versus investing. And it's almost changing the, the, the behavior to, to, to how you use money than it is about trying to multiply money. You had to change your foundation of behavior. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like awesome. I say, you, don't, you don't want to risk the money just to go back and pay the debt. Yeah. And then, and like Dave Ramsey said, and it's true, right? Once mm -hmm. you pay off all that debt, you mm -hmm. have money. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. like at that point, essentially, 80, 90% of what you're making is just going to buy, to buy, buy investments. Yeah. Because yeah. you, you, you have nothing to spend on it. I mean, you have yeah. all this money to invest. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, it's, it's interesting you say that. And I'm thinking about times by past. And I remember, I mean, you already, like out of college, you already had a, a, a rental property. You know, I remember when you guys moved to Maryland, you got something too. You know, you, you've done a decent job of, and, and so you've, 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 it's been a behavioral thing for you over time than it has been all of a sudden. And so what do you say to people who, you know, maybe they, oh, actually, let me ask this question before we go to the next one. Do you think that behavior is something that is innate, like internal? Or is it something that could be learned? Is it environmental? Is it upbringing? And then next question is, how do people that don't have that behavioral pattern, how, what can they do to change? So, so it depends on the behavior you're talking about here. So okay. let's talk about like, like general human nature, right? Spending. So, uh, uh, so another thing I talked about in the book is that you cannot hold yourself accountable. You cannot. Hmm. Right, it's impossible, right? So, so, so the behavior of if we don't have systems, if you don't have traffic lights and cops, we're going to drive rec recklessly. That's our human nature. That's 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 you know we we're driven by fear and greed and those kind of things. Mm -hmm. So, for you to think you're special and you can beat that, you can hold us accountable. Forget mm -hmm. about it. It's not going to happen. Right? You're not special. Mm -hmm. Now, some people. Uh, I've studied the psychology enough, and it was very, 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 very few have the ability to be so disciplined where they can beat the whole numbers of a behavior, right? But in almost every case, you know, you feel wealthier, you spend more. Hmm. You, you feel poorer, you spend less. It's just, it's just the way, it's just the way it is. So I tell people like, don't even try to, don't try to fight it, right? Just, you know, don't try to hold yourself discipline, right? Don't go to a whole house if you don't want to. Right. Uh, sorry, I don't know if, I don't know if you're just <laughs> No, you're that. good. You're good. Right? You know, you <laughs> yeah, know this, don't, this kind of don't, thing. don't expose yourself to temptation if you don't want to. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, so yeah. that's the soul, that's a whole idea behind that is that, you know, uh, it's almost impossible for you to be disciplined enough to beat that human nature. So just, just look for ways that you, that you wouldn't have to be disciplined. Hmm. Look for ways that you, sh you wouldn't have to be disciplined. All right, all right, solid, solid. So basically, and I, I think I heard you say this, it's hard to hold yourself accountable. So I guess that's the place for accountability partners. 
um, exactly. as, as well, right? So, exactly. you know, you said something, don't run the red light. I mean, if the red lights, if you're not going to get caught, you'll run the red light. So having the red light is important. Making sure you're following the stopgap measures. You know, don't don't try to beat the system. You know, let the, let the stopgap measures you have in place help guide you. That's solid. That's solid. Correct. Absolutely. Um, couple other things you share in the book that I just want to highlight. Um, you touch on, and you, it's, I love how you did this. You gave a story of, a, of an individual that um, bought a short sale property, say 112000 and the, the value was one fourteen. And you kind of just went into like the four or five different ways that money actually uh, grew for that individual. Can you just give us a scenario around that? You talked about, just real quick, you talked about cash flow, uh, you know, how cash on cash. You talked about equity capture. You talk about property appreciation. You talk about principal reduction. You just kind of touched on it. And all it was was $24,000 investment on a $112,000 property that was worth one twenty-four. Got it. So I'm going to need, need a little bit of your help here. All right, no to, problem. To, to remind me of all five as we go along. Let's no see problem. if I can get all right. So the first, so basically what you're saying there is that there are at least there's several ways of making money in real estate. Correct. Well, we talk about five ways of making money in real estate, right? In that one transaction. And that's how you calculate your overall uh, ROI on real estate. So real estate is a beautiful investment. So, okay, the first one is called equity capture. Okay. Equity capture is when you buy a property below the market value, mm -hmm. right? So you, you go high that you buy a property, it's appraised for 300, you bought it for 240. Mm -hmm instantly just raise your your net worth by 60 grand right just capture the equity right there right so mm -hmm. uh let's just say you know you put down 60 let's just put let's just put down six thousand dollars on that deal okay essentially made 100 percent right you've already got six grand in equity already nice you can start this equity capture is buying it below the appraised value mm -hmm. second one is cash flow right so cash flow you know this one comes when you rent the property out of any kind, rent the property property out, right? So, mm -hmm. I, whether you have a loan on it or not, let's assume you have a loan on it. Most 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 real estate are bought with loan, and your mortgage payment on, on all your expenses is two thousand dollars, but you're making twenty seven hundred bucks in rent. So that's mm -hmm. seven hundred dollars right. is your cash flow extra every month. Mm -hmm. Second way of making money uh, in real estate. So the third way is called the principal reduction, right? So this is when out of that two thousand dollars that the tenant is paying you, uh, let's just say five hundred of it is going to principal, fifteen hundred is going to interest. So that five hundred is going to even build you more equity. So they're reducing your principal balance. So when you end up selling the house, selling the property in the future, you have less to pay off because they reduce the principal for you. Nice. That's the third way I think is is is, is that right? Correct. Uh, fourth way is called the appreciation, right? So generally. Right. National average home goes up by about 3.3% a year, or there about 3.3% a year. But the past COVID has just seen an explosion. I mean, I'm sure you've seen your market. Crazy. Yep. 10, 20%, right? So that's the appreciation we're talking about how you make money by, by a property value going up. Right? Mm -hmm. That's the fourth one. I think the fifth one is tax depreciation. Is that correct? Correct. Or, correct. Okay. So the fifth one is also is taxes, right? Most people believe that that is the biggest part of real estate investments. Mm. So most people that do real estate do not pay taxes. 
either earned income tax or unearned income tax. So there's a lot of uh, tax laws that goes to favor listed investors. Hence why Donald Trump apparently only pays 715 federal taxes. <laughs> the, right? the Donald. <laughs> the Donald, yeah. because, you know, um, if you think about it, kings and royalties and politicians, they all hold real estate. Hmm. Every economy is anchored by real estate. Your life insurance money, your 401k money, it's all in some kind of real estate, right? So hmm. the government has an incentive to have people keep investing in real estate and they keep the real estate market buoyant. Mm-hmm. So uh, most people like things like a depreciation, which is called a fan, phantom losses, mm-hmm. and something called a 1031 exchange, which you're familiar with it. Uh, but those, those are one of two of many different ways where you can reduce your capital gains tax, your ordinary income tax, and your uh, investment income tax. All your taxes basically can be reduced with uh, uh, investments in real estate. Yeah, and, and I love that in the book, and I'm just gonna throw that on this as well. In the book, as you started to talk about taxes, you kept, you started off saying, you know, now obviously a CPA, your certified financial, uh, your certified public accountant is who you should talk to. And so keeping that disclaimer consistent, um, you know, I, I think certainly one should engage <laughs> with that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so one should always engage with the accountants in all these things, but you know, you think about it, I mean, you, look at you know cash flow equity property appreciation principal reduction tax depreciation these are all five things that one can make money out of in a real estate investment of 24,000 like that example in your book you know i mean think about it i mean i, I think about uh, average guy now is probably buying a $30,000 car you know now whether he is doing a car note on it or he paid cash that's a different thing well, you take a thirty thousand dollar car. If you paid cash on it, bro, you could have put it in something else. And I'm, 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 I'm learning. I'm learning as well. So I'm, I'm preaching to the choir. You, do, yeah. you have a nice car. No, no I don't have a nice car. <laughs> I don't. My, actually, my car is in the shop right now, which is really interesting. For those that know what I drive, it's really interesting yeah. that my car is in the shop. But anyway, now, now so, let's talk about that. So, uh, yeah, so go those for are it. just five steps, right? right? So there are several other benefits of financial benefits of owning real estate now. One of them, it goes against what Dave Ramsey say, but it's still a part of owning real estate, right? So real estate is also, as a business, right? It's also the only business that you can walk in as an 18-year-old to the bank, say, I want to buy four, I want to buy this investment for whatever, $300,000, and I'm going to give you, you know, 30K and give you a loan, right? right? It's a self collateralizing business. And that leverage, self-collateralizing business or is investments. So that leverage can also help you a lot, right? So if it's used properly and used, you know, uh, uh, wisely, I use leverage my real estate, but I use very low leverage, you know, because I I like Dave Ramsey, but I still, because I said from the beginning, I use, use, I'm Dave Ramsey-ish, right? (laughs) You know, but that leverage is very powerful. I mean, that leverage is what makes real estate work, right? Because you can take, for example, like the example we gave earlier on the on the on the uh, capital, on the equity capture, right? Right. If you put on sixty grand and you come to sixty grand, that's one hundred percent right there. Right. Off the bat, before you start, but, right. if, you put, but if you bought the whole thing for three hundred grand, mm. for example, and you capture sixty grand, now what is that? Twenty percent. That's twenty yeah. percent return. Yeah, one right? in five. So you see, you see how that leverage really helped you get a hundred percent return. Yeah. And so, so theoretically, if there was no risk. You do that five times, right? Yeah, you can get 100% times five. Yeah. So now you're 300, you're 300k, 
you make a lot of money on that. That's awesome. You know, a friend and I were talking about that and how that's 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 important to realize that your your you can spread your net a little wider um, than it is if you go all in. So now let's just juxtapose that thinking to uh, if I have three hundred k right now, you know, and my uh, my existing mortgage is say three hundred k. There is the one school of thought that says pay down your debt, right? So you pay down the 300K on your mortgage and now I'm not paying any $2,800 every month mortgage, right? So that frees me up from cash. So that's one school of thought. The flip school of thought is what you just mentioned is do I take that 300K, find five other 300K type properties, put 60, 60, 60 in five places. And in five years, I've got appreciation, I've got you know, cash flow, I've got equity capture, I've got property appreciation, I've got principal reduction, I've got tax depreciation. Just because I flipped that 300K, it, you know, from being in my account and I didn't put it in my um, homestead main property, I put it in investment. What do you think of that? So there, there, are, a lot of, there, there are a lot of other if, side if, factors. There are a lot of if, ands, and buts in that, yeah, you? It's a lot of, it depends, right? So it depends on what your income is. You have more income coming in, you know, in the future, a lot of things, mm-hmm. you know. But what 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 I would what I would in that situation, mm-hmm. I subscribe to Dave Ramsey in that situation, right? Mm-hmm. I would pay my mortgage, yeah, you know. But I still have other income coming in that I can re I can still reinvest, mm-hmm. I, I, you know. So that goes back to the whole behavior and uh, and uh, 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 numbers. Mm-hmm. The numbers say spread the money around the the behavior and the risks say pay for your mortgage yeah i'll go pay for your mortgage on that one okay 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 you, probably, a... you, probably don't want, you probably don't want to hear that answer no 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 but... that's fine that's what we're talking about it because yeah. you you think about it and you go hmm what angle do i go you know and then you hear folks say things like all right is 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 one of the if ands or but which you already alluded to it is you know, do you have a job? Do you have other sources of income? Is time also a factor in the sense that, you know, I'm 31, I'm 32, I'm 22, I'm 23, I'm 51. Are those factors to that level of risk taking for one's eventual end? There are as well. There are all factors. A lot of things, you know, it's, 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 it depends. But let me give you another factor here that 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 you should also put into consideration. That it's a real factor, and, and this is why this is part of why the numbers don't work, hmm. right? Because most cases, if I put 300k in my mortgage, after I keep my mortgage, most cases you will not spread us that, that 60k around. Hmm. Most cases, you probably spend it in four places, and then it takes 60k to go party. <laughs> or, 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 take, or take a on a vacation and buy a purse, those kind of things. Yeah. And this is real if we don't realize that. I'm, I'm going to ask you a question now, right? So if you had $200 left in your account, mm-hmm. or you have 200 grand, left, 200 grand in your account, would your spending habits be different? Uh, probably not. I'm going to ask you again. If you have $200 left in your account, $200, that's it. Okay. Or you have, or you have okay. Grand okay. In your So, and, and I'm probably answering that question because I know some of that thinking. But you're, I mean, the typical mindset or the reality of tax season for Americans is 
when you get that money, man, the economy is revitalized because most Correct. people just Correct. go out there and spend like, who? that's oh, money no, I wasn't no. expecting. I don't know, but I don't know most people. I'm talking about you. You yeah. will do the same. We, you are not. We, 200K. We are not, we are not special. Yeah, I would. Obviously, not. yeah, I will spend it, that 200,000. Now, how I no, spend no, it would be different, no, but no, yes. I probably, I probably won't spend the 200,000. I can tell you the one thing. Is if I have $200 in my uh-huh. account, uh-huh. I'm not buying Starbucks coffee. Touche. If I, if I have $200,000, right. I will buy a $100 bottle of wine. Because it's, it's, it's rich, it's, it's rich, it's, it's small. I'm not going to spend right. the entire 200 grand, right. but I'll spend $100, right? right? You know, and the people think that way, right? So because because the thing is, the, the debt mm-hmm. makes you feel richer. Wow. Debt makes you feel richer, and you this, this, that's why people build, according to some some data, right? You, you spend 22% more using credit card than using cash. Yep. Because the credit is there and it makes you feel richer. Yep. Right. So I put, I have 300 grand, you have 300 grand. I put 300 grand in my mortgage and I have zero left or whatever, whatever I have left in my account. Right. You don't do that. You know, you put 60 grand in, your, in, in a house and you have two, four left in your account or in investments. You feel richer than me. Mm-hmm. But we both have the same net worth. Right. So you spend more than I spend. Yeah. On non investments. You would, you would take a more lavish vacation than I will, hmm. right? You will buy you know, you know, a more expensive car than I will because I, I don't have the money anymore. It's it's, it's in a forced savings, right? Yeah. I have 20K of emergency fund that's all I have left. But you have a leverage. You have borrowed money, but then you have all this 240K in liquid investments or whatever the case it is or cash or what it mm-hmm. is. And you feel you will feel richer. It's, it's just That's just the way it is. You feel richer, but you're not. And you spend more and you, and you don't invest and save more. Nice, 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 nice. I got two more questions and then I and I'll and then I'll I'll turn you over to, to Mrs. Loffenmarking. Uh, I know you, you recently just came back. So thank you, thank you. <laughs> so um you touched on net worth, net okay. worth. Um can you just break down mathematically? I mean it's real simple for, for most people, but mathematically, how do how does one really calculate their net? Worth W O R T H. Okay, so net worth is it's a it's a numerical number essentially. Uh, easy terms is you take uh, all your assets, everything you own, your house, your car, your bank account, your stocks, the value of them, mm-hmm. and you subtract everything you owe: student loans, uh, 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 mortgages, car payments furniture loan, all those things. And whatever you have left in there is your net worth. This is a great topic. And, I'm, and I, like I was telling you earlier today, uh, Lana, uh, mm-hmm. that I started writing the next book today. Uh, today right. uh, and the first chapter is about the net worth. Know mm. your number. Know where you are. What's your net worth today, mm. right? If you don't know your net worth today, you don't know where you're going. You can't get to that $5 million if you don't know your net worth today. So hopefully, once the book is done, uh, I think I think I'll go to get them by June this year. You have me back on your show, and I would like to be. I want your show to be the first show we launch the book. All right, and all hopefully right. You that'd and I be great. Remember to do that. That'd be good. Yes, that'd but be it's, great. It's called "Will Will You Ever Be Rich?" and it's all about money, right? All so right. it's not about if you want success, go to success be simple. If you mm-hmm. want to balance life, go to that. If you want to balance life. Go to my other book, Finding Happen. Finding Happiness is your purpose. 
Mm. If you want how to just go and get money, the data, the, the data, the behavior, you know, the coaching on how to get money, this is what the, this book is all about. That's awesome. That's awesome. Would you ever be rich? So yeah, yeah, certainly. I'm, I'm gonna pencil that in. We're doing this. We're doing this. Yeah. Just FYI, um, the bottom says probably not. Probably not. <laughs> I love that. Okay. All right. We're gonna see. Well, I guess that that's a, that's for another day. Definition of rich yeah. and all that. So exactly. Right. So um, last question around business and then uh, or money and then we'll. Um, I have a random. Last question I always ask, just for uh, funs and gigs. Um, building a business versus buying a business. What's your take? Touch on that. So these days, I'm leaning more towards buying a business. I'm actually mm. in the process of acquiring some other businesses. Um, I didn't know much about that when I was building mine, so I started from scratch and bootstrapping mm. it. Um, there's a lot of data. There's a lot of data that favors buying a business better. Right, um, you know, when you're buying a business, it should be it should be proven already. They already have cash flow. You can use an SBA loan to get it. Uh, I think I think the theory, I, I depend on how you buy the business. I think the theory I read is is that when you start a business from scratch, mm-hmm. you are I think three percent chance of succeeding past five years or it's past two. One of those two things. Right. Right. However, though, when you buy a business that's already, already an operation, especially mm-hmm. 10 years already, you are 97% chance of succeeding. Hmm. Right? So nice. uh, there's a lot of data around in buying a business. I'm glad I asked you that question. That's a good one. I, I, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do some research on that. That's actually a yeah. good intel. Like three yeah. versus 97 that, yeah, is it's kind of, kind of that is huge. That is completely huge. reversed. It's huge. You know, but also for me, I, I like to do hard things. Mm. I have a Why saying though? that says that when you do easy <laughs> things, life becomes hard. When you do, when you hard, do hard things, hard life, things, life becomes right. easy. Somebody tweet that. Tweet and, that. Uh, you know, tweet <laughs> it. And, 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 and if you flip it around, the question will now be, if we all try to buy a business, who is going to build the business that we want to buy? Okay. All right. So someone's got to be, someone's got to do it. You know, you don't, you know, so I've been mean, Warren Buffett buys all this. I don't think he built any of it, buys all these businesses, you know, mm-hmm. but, you know, so maybe a hybrid approach, right? Yeah. Maybe you start some, maybe you buy some. Yeah. You know, and, and the reality of buying a business is, is sometimes we, we think it in such a grand scale. When you buy stocks, transparently, you're buying into a business. You're only buying a mm. portion of it. Um, but you know that's that's what we do daily when we buy stocks. Robin Hood has made so many people uh, money, and but it's also lost so many people money. Uh, but anyway, here's a here's a plug for Robin Hood there. Um, but, <laughs> all right, man, I, I appreciate you answering those questions. Last question. I um, and I've asked this question in different uh, episodes. So um, I think for real, for real, for real, for real, this is going to be the last time I'm going to ask this. Um, you're a well-traveled man. You're a military guy, so you've traveled and all that. In all your travels, where is your perfect vacation spot? Oh, oh man. And it may be somewhere you've never been to also. 
except I like first of all, how many countries have you been to? Do you know? I don't, nah, I don't remember. It's At this point, many. it's say, all right, levels. Nazi, do you? We'll get there. <laughs> but I mean, I was very fortunate. You know, you join the navy, you see the world. I was right. Navy That's guy. I'm on the ship. Yeah, it's going everywhere. Perfect vacation spot. You know, I've never been to Thailand. I don't know why it just never lined up from to go to Thailand. Wow. It's a place called Koh Tao. Koh Tao is like, so, you know, uh, it's supposed to be like the perfect island. Like, right. you know, it, it's designed for perfection. So huh. I hear that's really, I, I would like to go there if I have to go there. Mm-hmm. Um, man, so it, it is, it's hard to pick one because it just depends on what, you, what, you, yeah. what you're into, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, into, yeah relaxation, nightlife, you know, whatever the case is. So, yeah, yeah. but uh, if I if I had to pick one, someone to go now, I mean, like, someone to go now, I want to go to Koh Tao. Koh Tao, all right. I, I've, probably in the last four or five years, really grown to, like, Singapore. Not that, I've never mm. been there, um, mm. but, you know, just the, 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 what I'm seeing and, you know, Instagram, it doesn't help, but uh, what I'm seeing gives me this desire to travel there. So, that's, that's my spot, so. Anyway, yes, brother, the, the world is big, man. It's a lot. It's, it's of huge. It's huge. It's a huge. Lot of to go, I, you know. You know, I spend a lot of time in Sicily. I really, really enjoy Sicily. Nice. Uh, I really enjoy Sicily a lot. You know, um, the wine, the food, the lifestyle, yeah. the culture. Yeah. Um, you know, the but yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The, I, I, enjoy, I enjoy all that. I enjoy all that. Stuff. <laughs> the, the espresso, yeah, nice, 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 yeah. Uh, that's a good spot. The food, yeah. all that, yeah. Well, cool, cool, olive cool. oil, you know. Yeah, olive oil, all that stuff. Yeah. So one of these days, you need to take my sister to Sicily, though, because I don't think she went with you. Because... She did not go. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So no, we're, we're gonna do more traveling a lot lately because so most of it start with a military trip. Right? Yeah, so yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, so. right, you're right. Don't be, don't be. Oh, you know, man, oh, you know, man, oh, you know, man.